Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On today's episode, part two of our Prince tribute. Fans tell their stories, and the doctor also shares memories. And now, Dr. Funkenberry. Hey, look me over. Tell me, do you like what you see? What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Prince Podcast Tribute Special number two. want to let you guys know real quick so we can get on with everything. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Please leave us a review if you liked the last show or previous shows or this one, or even if you didn't. Hopefully you do. 
you know, not paying you any money, but go ahead and do it. And make sure uh, to, for TuneIn Radio and Stitcher and Overcast, make sure to subscribe, get on those things, because those are the ones that if you don't like iTunes or don't want to be on iTunes, you know, do it. Spread the word, because the bird, 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 the bird is the word. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the last one. Obviously, we're trying to be more upbeat this time. Um, we're here to celebrate Prince and everything that he has done, how he's touched me, how he's touched you, and um, how this has just been difficult for everyone. But we're all in it together to heal, to grieve, to be able to celebrate again, to love it. <clears throat> so I showed shared a few stories last time um that were deeply personal and we're gonna have more uh experience of people that called in onto the show thank you guys so much for that really appreciate your not appreciation but appreciate your input of helping us out and wanting to share your stories with us um one thing i'm going to say is um i think it was uh <clears throat> might have been like 2002 or sometime in the 2000s um, <clears throat> there was a band using my full name. I call my friend, my name shows up on the caller ID. And he's like, Hey man. And he's like, do you know a band just signed to universal records with your name? And I'm like, what? So after we get off the phone, which is probably a pretty short conversation, um, I go looking at them, never heard of this band. And then I keep searching interviews for them and they won't say how they got their name. Now at the time I used to put up uh, songs under my full name and under a, an alias of J7. And uh, I just thought it was really interesting that they came with this name. Was it for Jeremiah Weed or something else? Uh, so I kind of decide to message someone on the old MPG Music Club, Paisley Park 7. Now, I'm, it's rumored that this has been Prince the entire time. I'm not sure of it. Um, so I email him like, hey, this band's using my name. I don't know if it's a coincidence or legit or whatnot, but what should I do? What advice can you give me? And then like within like an hour, <clears throat> there's a response. And it's just like, make sure to see if your name, if their name, your name has been registered with the Trademark Administration Board. If it hasn't, swoop it up. That'll prevent them from doing anything. And then... Here's the part where it's interesting. It goes, let us let us know how it goes. If not, we'll get our lawyers involved. Like, lawyers involved. Didn't say, let me know how it goes. You know, we'll see what we can do. And then, I don't know if this is Prince. It's rumored to be Prince. But that was another thing to where, you know, we're on a different level of some other stuff. Like, offering legal advice. You know, of course, if it's someone else that works for him, it comes off as stupid. But we were told this is him. Um... And lo and behold, I went to the trademark board. They did not register it. And <clears throat> I swooped it up. Then two weeks later, they applied for it. And I got it. Their lawyers from New York tried to sue me and, you know, saying this stuff. And I'm like, look, I emailed them back. Not emailed. I wrote them back stating that I don't want any merch sales. This isn't what it's about. I don't want you using my name. And then I go, what do you want me to do to show that I use my name every day? Do you want me to send you my, my phone bill? And then I kind of wrote them a song. It kind of went, just to not bore you guys, but it just started off with, what good is fame if you can't even own your name? And just sent that. Uh, we never went to court. They threatened to sue me. After that, they kind of backed off. Universal dropped them from the label. You know, like, like I said, I did my research on this band. They weren't, they broke up. But they got back together because they got signed. So it just kind of seemed kind of weird to me. That's an interesting story that I wanted to share with you guys. It may not have been as powerful as the ones last week, but it was kind of playful and just showed like how generous Prince was with things like that. We're gonna help, we're gonna get lawyers. And that was kind of cool. And I hope you guys enjoyed that story. It's so hard to choose just one as a Prince fan that's been on the ride for over 30 years, but I thought about it for a minute and thought of all the things, what could I think about that would be the most significant right now, and at April 19th and 20th in 
L.A. at the Kodak Theater. He was doing the One Night Alone shows. And, uh, you know, it was the, the time when the MPG Music Club were getting that, you know, exclusive access to the sound checks and, you know, preferential treatment, you know, sitting in the, the first, you know, five rows or so. And, you know, that was amazing because it, the more you went to that show, and I went 22 times to that show, it just was better and better. And it, every, every one of those shows were unique in some way. But on this particular one, um, it came to that part in in the show when he asked, you know, you give your seat to that fan back there. And, you know, of course, I don't hesitate at all. Yes, of course. You know, Prince tells me, give my seat up. I'll give my seat up. And I changed seats. I climbed over the seats, you know, a couple of rows back, and the man came up and got in my seat. And then Prince, you know, nodded his head at me, and he says, all right. He said, that's cool. He said, good come up here and you get on the stage. You, how about you take a seat up here? And I went and sat on the stage of the Kodak Theater and he came and it's that part where he's playing the, you know, uh, A Case of You, Mellow, One Plus One is Three, Love Roller Coaster. And that whole set, you know, you're sitting there in the pillows and he's literally a meter from me playing that guitar and looking with those eyes, you know, in my eyes. And it was just, I mean, it was... Uh, a, a sensation overload. I just couldn't even look. I covered my face and couldn't even look. It was just too much to take. It was amazing. And then, you know, that night he played the, the after show at the Highlands, which was really great. And she, he was there and it was amazing. And I went late. And again, we, you know, we didn't even go home. We just turned right back around, right out of the Highlands Theater, right back on to the sidewalk to sleep for the next night show. But, yeah, having that moment, just you, on stage, being played to by Prince, was unforgettable. Wish I could do it all again. Unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story, Carrie. Really appreciate it. Um, now you guys know why I do podcasts and not sing. Anyway. Sorry for pulling out eardrums. So, yeah, this tour was amazing. I was at these shows, actually. Um, and he had so much talent. Like, you know, he was struggling for a while after fighting the industry. And then, lo and behold, like two years later, he was back on top of the world. Speaking of which, Musicology was kicking off. He uh, did the Super Bowl. Uh, excuse me. He had the Super Bowl commercial after Janet Flasher, Booby. And then the following week, he did the Grammys with Beyonce and tore stuff up and then did the House of Blues. Then, uh, bef before that, actually, he did like two shows in Las Vegas in January, Super Bowl weekend. That's what I was referring to before the nipple gate thing. Um, yeah, like this guy was ready to explode everywhere. And then the Grammys happened with Beyonce and just took it to a whole nother level. Then he, um, you know, he was scheduled to do Leno and Ellen. And then, like, that, Lena was on Tuesday, and, like, Ellen, I believe, was on Wednesday. And then, like, I'm in the music club chat room, you know, underneath my name. And then this would always happen. Whenever I went in the chat room, moderators would follow me in, you know, to have discussions, whatever. Paisley Park 7, Paisley Park 4. And then, like, I jumped in the room, and then Paisley Park 7 goes, hey, J7, see you Monday. And I went, Monday? I go, but Leno's Tuesday. And he goes, oh, right. And he's like, see you Monday. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Then like a few hours later, like they put up this this thing for tickets for not for sale, but for 25 cents or, so, or whatever on the Music Club website to for a musicology press conference that Monday at the El Rey Theater. OK, that's what that little bugger meant. Oh, man. And that press conference was so cool so much fun he did a few songs did musicology um just killed it long version of it and then sat down on a stool to talk to the media and then was his first plans for musicology was for all the labels to release it which really wasn't going to work he's like everyone all of them gets a piece of the pie and i'm like okay that's interesting and then some so-called journalist wanted to talk about janet's nipple and what he thought of it <laughs> He didn't really answer. He just said that I don't show old skin. Um, 
Good Lord, Prince. But that press conference, you know, like we all thought the album thing was weird, but he was able to strike a deal with Columbia for distribution musicology and to actually distribute the CD for every single person that purchased a ticket to musicology, which kept him on the charts um, for months at a time because he'd sell out five shows a week. Yeah, that's about 100,000 CDs right there, not including what he sold in record stores. And that was part of the brilliance of Prince and how he was able to get back on top and get appreciated again after having a little bit of a downfall. Hi, this is Crystal from Atlanta. I just wanted to share a few of my fondest Prince memories. Um, goes way back to mid-80s. Um, I was about 12, 13 years of age when I first heard uh, 1999, and then, of course, Purple Rain um, followed shortly thereafter. Um, my mom was in the other room when my cousin and I were listening to Darling Nikki and came storming in and immediately took our cassette tape away. Um, there were a lot of lyrics in his songs that, as a 12-year-old girl, um, I really didn't even know what some of them meant. But um, we, of course, saved up our money and went out and bought another one as soon as we could. Um, was able to see him five five times, I guess, live. Um, I saw him at the Musicology Tour here in Atlanta back in 2004. I had front row seats to two of those shows. And during one of those, he came out and um, came right up to me at the, the front row and handed me, um, he was giving out the Jehovah Witness tracks at that time. He, I guess he was newly... Um, getting into it and he handed me one and was like are you having a great time and I was like yes I'm having a great time and that was a really cool experience and then um I did see his uh, most recent show here in Atlanta um, at the Fox which we now know to be his final show um I also had front row seats for that as well it was just absolutely incredible um just sitting there listening to him mesmerized um I'm still in shock I, you know a week later after that show to find out that that he's gone and I, I still don't think I've completely processed it, but um, I'm still so thankful and grateful and feel blessed to have been there at that show to witness it. And um, I'm just grateful to know that he was loved by so many people. And I'm looking forward to hearing more of his music if they release it. Um, I think that will be really kind of cool and exciting to hear what else was, was out there. So I couldn't let the sad time go by without saying something about Prince. From the age of 14, I have listened to Prince nearly every day of my life. Since hearing Girls and Boys in an ex-boyfriend's bedroom, I'm now 43, and needless to say, his lyrics formed and influenced my thoughts as I grew up, and they still help me get through good and bad times. My children know the words to his songs, and I hope they pass them on to their, their children. Normally you grow out of the music you listen to as a teenager, but Prince's music never grew old or tired or seemed juvenile in any way. I'll always love it, and I'll always love him. Thank you, Prince. This is Jeremy Schmidt from South Bend, Indiana. On Thursday, as the news broke of Prince's passing, I began to begin inundated with phone calls and texts from friends and family, some people I haven't talked to in a couple of years all calling to express their condolences and to check in on me and see how I was holding up. As I laid in bed that night, I put on parade and I stared at the purple tattoo of a symbol that I got 17 years ago as a reminder to first and foremost love myself, to be unapologetic about the things or the ones that I love, how to always maintain my integrity, my creativity, and never to compromise my soul or being the person that I want to be. I now am a father of two little girls, and every day I try and teach them those same traits that I learned through Prince's music, to be the people that they want to be, to love whoever they want to love, but most importantly, to truly love themselves. So to Prince, I want to thank him for through his music, making me the man, the friend, and the father that I am today. Peace and be wild. Thank you guys for that. Um, I know we're all dealing with what's going on in different ways right now. Uh, I'm dealing with it with a grieving beard. I haven't really shaved since all this happened. I'll clean it up a little bit, 
But um, if you guys follow wrestling, I probably look like the fourth Wyatt member about now. Or Dean Ambrose try to grow a beard out. That's what's happening. Um, I know some other people will post photos that they really shouldn't be posting. We all different in different ways. I guess I do it privately, and that's just been my thing is I don't want to shave. I haven't had a lot of sleep in a while. I'm afraid, like, I'll cut myself. I'm more worried about that than, you know, the lack of sleep, to be honest. But we're all dealing with this in different ways, and um, there's been so many stupid reports that have come out. And I told you guys, like, I'll give you guys the truth. When it comes out, whether it's good or bad, I'll let you know. And then this report came out about uh, princess people reaching out for a doctor for help with something. We'll just leave it at that for right now because uh, toxicology reports aren't out. But um, it always bothered me that the 911 call, when I read the transcript, the person didn't know where they were. It was just like, we're at Prince's house, we're at Prince's studios. Like, didn't know where they were. So, it, okay, it wasn't the guy I thought would be there every day, and it wasn't the girl I thought that would be there every day. It was someone else. Because in a transcript, there was an unidentified male, an unidentified male number two, and an unidentified female. So who was the one that didn't know the address of 8601 Audubon Road. And then, like I said, I knew it couldn't be someone, it couldn't be that one person I thought was the other person. So it comes out, it is this doctor from the Bay Area of California. And, you know, look, the Tribune wrote like a really piss poor article the week before about Prince's dead brother and dead sister making claims about him and they're not there to say anything about someone who's no longer here and i guarantee you if they were here they wouldn't have said what they said and that lawyer is a scumbag and i'm kind of upset the tribune for doing it so i understand why there is a little bit of um not believability when it came to the tribune when this article came out but when the doctor said that he was the one that made the phone call to 911 dispatch everything clicked he didn't know where he was he just got off the plane he didn't know and the other two people were in disbelief on what was going on and what they saw uh i read back the article there's certain things in it that you know could be true i'm not look he was not an addict if you're willing to try and get help because you know something's bad, um, we all have pains. We all go through stuff. And then, especially if you have the flu, which is being reported, um, it makes things harder. Um, and he's been dealing with this stuff for his entire career. Yeah, there may have been like a hip surgery there or whatever. That doesn't mean that he wasn't performing in pain all the time. And you knew Prince, just like the Atlanta show. What was the Atlanta show afterwards? Stupendous reviews. The greatest show he's ever done of this tour. All this stuff. Even him saying it. Then you listen to the audio of it and you're right. He gave his all for every show, whether he was hurt or not. He gave his all for 40 years. For for the fans that were seeing him for the 100th time to the fan that was seeing him for the first time and then became a fan for life to where they were going to see 100 shows. Um, What do I do? Everyone's looking at me. It's just like his passing all over again. And every single week, I feel like I'm getting hit in the gut because you guys are looking at me to confirm or deny it. And I want to be truthful with you, but I'm still numb. I haven't grieved except for the grieving beard. There's nothing else I'm doing. You know, I had my little breakdown on last week's show and it lasted about a minute. I haven't had a chance. I got to be strong for everyone else that's coming to me and the other people in my life. Um... So all I can muster is, is that, you know, I'm waiting another hour, hour and a half. People are hitting me up. You know, it's pretty much that there's accuracy to it, but I'm not going to put their names out there. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless, but I don't want to put speechless. So I just put four dots and then the story, their headline, not mine, their headline. I'm not going to add anything to it. 
I want you guys to know it. There's a reason why I'm putting it out. And I was kind of taken back by how upset people were with me. Like, I understand that you're hurt. I'm like, look, I'm not doing it to hurt you guys. And I'm not doing it to do anything. I've been protecting this guy long before this happened. And I'm going to still keep doing it. You know, I did an interview with the New York Times. Uh, just published while we're doing this show right now. Look, I'm going to continue to defend him. Uh, he's not what they're trying to make him out to be. They're not going to do him like they did Michael. There was some problems, yes. But it could have been, we don't know yet. We don't know, you know, if this is what caused it. He could have been prescribed something that didn't mix well with what he was taking. It could have been as simple as aspirin. You know, it's too much of a of milligrams that caused all this. We don't know yet. We know that people were reached out to. Uh, there's been no one that's denied it or said anything. Um, it's not my intention to hurt you guys. You guys are all looking to me for stuff. And I'm not going to be putting anything out there that's vicious or malicious. And people are like, wow, they're really attacking you. And people were trying to go to bat for me. And I'm like, look, let it go. They're hurt. You know, there'll be a press conference the next day. They'll understand that I'm not coming from a place of this. My whole thing was is to ease their pain. You know, and there's like someone that like, like truly knew me and was hurt. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell them. Like this whole thing is that you're blinded by stuff. And if you know me, I'm not doing this to be malicious or do TMZ style stuff. I'm doing it because try to ease the pain before stuff comes out and just understand how close he was to getting help. And let's concentrate on that. And that there's no one, no one denying that that didn't happen. We're all grieving in our own ways. You can be upset at me with you want if you want. You know, sometimes I haven't been the most popular guy, and I'm okay with that. If it'll make you guys feel better, you can attack me. But I'm trying to do him right and look out for you guys at the same time. And I'm spread so thin, but I know that I'm doing the right thing, regardless of lack of sleep or not. I'm doing the right thing looking out for you guys. I'm doing the right thing looking out for him. Hello, um, my name is Angela, and I'm from Los Angeles. My most memorable Prince concert would have to be the celebration, June 14th, 2000. I was there for the full week, and Prince did a show at the Cyrus Northrup Memorial Auditorium at the University of Minnesota. And it was amazing. Um, he had guest stars like Najee. Um, Bobby Z, Dr. Fink, Angie Stone. But the one memory that really stood out the most was his 12-minute version of Adore. It was the full song. Now, usually at a Prince song, when he does uh, slow songs, he usually does, you know, a tease, a snippet of it. But at this show, it was the complete song. And it was amazing. From the beginning of the song to the end of the song. And I never usually cry at a Prince concert. But that night, I was in tears. Because I could feel and sense how much he really wanted to sing it and play for the people Especially just, it, it just sounded so amazing. And I could never forget that moment. It's, it's in the deepest of my mind that I will always remember that. And I'm just happy that I got that opportunity <clears throat> to go to that celebration and, and witness that. And um, I had to find... <laughs> Of course, as a, a Prince fan, I had to find this bootleg. <laughs> and I got it. I found it. Um, but, again, that was memorable to hear that song complete. Dr. Funkenberry, what's up? This is Rodney from Philly. I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak, man. But speaking of uh, Prince in the past tense is still a shock. I've been a member of the funk since 81. Numerous nights at the park. Uh, celebrations were like my Woodstock. Many concerts. 
um, heading to Perkins later to eat in the morning. <laughs> MPG water. <laughs> uh, vending machine that doesn't work in the lobby. Great memories, man. Great memories. Sasquatch the bodyguard. Um, shout out to Dave Dixon, man, from MPG. Keep your head up, brother. I will see you soon. Um, when most people think of Prince, they think of Purple Rain, Let's Go Crazy. I think of Old Friends for Sale, Neon Telephone, There's Others Here With Us, Movie Star, A Place in Heaven, um, these songs hopefully will one day be released in its full clarity for the world to hear in its entirety. And like I said, we're family, we're not fans, and we will get through this. Doc, you're doing an amazing job. Keep doing what you're doing. Forget the haters, man. We cowboy fans for life. So, that said, I'm out. Peace, fam. Hi, so my name is Tina. I'm from Austria. And this is my best moment with Prince. Um, it was back in 1998. And it must have been around Christmas time. I don't know the exact date. It was um, He was playing a show in Frankfurt, Germany. So um, some friends and I decided to go there. We took the train there. We saw the show. And there was an after show announced in uh, a location, a club at the airport. So we went there and um, we were, uh, we got in eventually and then uh, we stood around discussing, well, it, will he appear or not? Will we see him play? I never saw him uh, play an after show before. Um, so while we were standing there discussing, I just turned around and looked over my shoulder and he was... <laughs> he was just standing there, you know, less than 10 meters away from me, just waiting to, to um, till they let him in in one of those private rooms that the club had. So some, you know, bodyguards around him, but he was just standing there and, you know, my breath stopped. <laughs> and I turned around again and I said, hey, guys, just look over my shoulder. He's, he's here. He's there. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, well, he disappeared in one of those um, private rooms, um, and uh, we spent the night there, we danced, uh, he didn't play, and then sometimes the word would go around, um, Prince is leaving, Prince is leaving, so we all got up and uh, went to the accident, and we stood there and waited for him to, to leave and to pass us, and so he walked he walked by very close, and as when he was in, at my, uh, in front of me, I said, good night, and he... He just turned his head around a little bit and had, and he said night. <laughs> so that was my my special moment with Prince and I'm gonna miss him forever. And thank you, Dr. Funkenberry, for doing this. No, thank you guys. Remember this, this is all you're gonna say is is he really gone? If he's still here with us. Think about it. We may not be able to see him in concert anymore, but he's still with us. It's just in a different way now. It's on a different plane. Um, and the reason that shows it is that there were a lot of people that said over the years that, you know, when Prince is gone, like people are going to be really sad that they will not. It's kind of like a Van Gogh thing, but Prince had this humongous success while he was here with us. And again, he's still with us. Um, tremendous success. Oscar award winning person. Um, 100 million plus records sold. A career that spanned over four decades. Ridiculousness. Um, just he's still here with us. And that's proven by all of a sudden what everyone said, that he would be cherished more when he's not here, which is sad. But again, he's still here with us. And now you're seeing this explosion. And it's not a competition, but when Bowie passed, which was tremendous, it hit people in a weird way. He sold 308,000 copies combined of his new album and other albums. Then when Michael passed, it was around the same number. Prince, from the week that he passed, 
till last Thursday, which is just a week. Their billboard sales charts. 4.4 million copies sold. Now, keep in mind, like only one artist in the past four years has sold 1 million records in one week. Okay? They have one name as well. And it rhymes with Schmidel. But, um... 4.4 million copies. Yes, it's a very best of prints. It's the ultimate set. It's Purple Rain. Um, and 1999 as well. But there is 18 albums in total that charted on the top 200. 18. Now keep in mind, and all these are from record sales. Physical copies of CDs because you can't buy his stuff anywhere streaming except for title so just imagine record stores are not what they used to be that's only what they had in stock when he passed like i'm sure now you're gonna walk in you're gonna see every album you'll see love sexy rechart i'm sure um 18 albums on the top 20 for an artist where record stores and best buy they weren't stocking his stuff so yeah the ultimate sold set sold the very best of set sold because those are things that were on the shelf now 18 albums like i said nothing to sneeze at now let's see when they have stuff in stock how it's going to be he's still here with us and let's not give the people that didn't get to appreciate him live or are only finding out about how great he was now because we're the lucky ones man you know we're, we're grieving but we got to see him live. We were alive when Prince was alive. And for the people that are new fans, look, I'm glad that you got to experience him and you're finding out what we've known forever. And you're having this whole plethora of stuff that was difficult for us all over YouTube and to find because we didn't have that. So we appreciate you, you know? And yes, for some reason, you know, especially Americans, we're infatuated with two things. I said this last week. We're infatuated with death. That's why James Dean and his stuff sells so well to this day. And we're infatuated with, is he or isn't she? And you know what I mean by that. But now we can add a third thing to it. And not just Americans, everyone worldwide. We're infatuated with the man, the myth, the legend, Prince Rogers Nelson. Hi, this is Burn from Chicago. I was fortunate to attend four of Prince's concerts, and my first one was the Love Sexy Tour. Although I was a college student at that time, the Bob George number just blew my mind. The content material was so advanced and mature, and it was it was shocking because I had never witnessed that type of behavior in public. And although the um it was uh, a fun fast concert prince kept his hair in a ponytail the entire time until the last number where he let his cascading hair just flow freely and all i remember thinking was what type of relaxer does he use was it a bam two or optimum perm and whichever one it was i wanted the same type of relaxer Thanks a lot. Bye. This is Sean from Virginia, and this is an absolutely true story about my brush with Prince, who is my favorite artist of all time. Prince came to Knoxville, Tennessee on the Jam of the Year tour in 1997, put on a great show, and as a longtime follower of all things Prince, I knew to stick around after the show in case an after show was announced. Sure enough, one was announced uh, at a small club in Knoxville for later on that night. I rushed from the arena to the dance club and scoped out a spot that I thought Prince was most likely to be seen from in the club, and I ended up standing next to this winding metal staircase that led up to a loft that overlooked the dance floor. There was no actual performance by Prince at the club, but he and the band did show up, and sure enough, he and his security team made their way uh, towards me and up this metal staircase, and Prince never looked up and never acknowledged anybody. But he and the band went up, and that's where they hung out on this loft. Food was taken up to him, and Prince stayed maybe an hour and a half that night. 
Prince's security guards, they were massive men in these leather coats, and they uh, were very intimidating. And they stood at the bottom of the staircase uh, guarding it so no one could get up. Uh, when Prince decided it was time to leave, the three security guards went up the staircase to get Prince, and then they walked back down the staircase in front of Prince. And when this happened, the crowd rushed uh, the front of the staircase, hoping to get close enough to touch, to touch Prince. And this caused a commotion so that the security team's attention was focused on the crowd instead of what was going on behind them. Now, I, I had stayed in that same position uh, all night behind the staircase, and there was literally no one else near me. Prince was standing right above me on the stairs, maybe three feet away. And I decided this was my one and only chance to ever speak to Prince and impulsively climbed the side of this metal staircase and found myself standing right next to the to, to Prince on the same step as Prince. I said something to him, put my arm around his neck, and thanked him for coming to Knoxville and told him how much I loved his music. And in that moment, I don't know who was more terrified, me or Prince, but Prince never acknowledged me and never looked up. So at that point, the biggest of the bodyguards saw me and in one move grabbed me by one arm and threw me off the staircase into the dance floor. It was awesome. Security got Prince through the crowd and into the elevator, and he was gone. That was my encounter with Prince, and it was one of the most exciting nights of my life. I just want to say thanks for everything, Prince. Hi, Doc. This is Heidi from Minneapolis, and I've got a kind of fun Prince memory to share. About eight years ago, when I was first training for the Red Ribbon Ride, I needed places to go for training rides. I obviously picked Paisley Park because that was a good 40-mile round trip. And what a great destination. I love having a great destination. So one day I biked out there and I stopped at Culver's on the way and picked up a burger. Then I went and the gates were open and so I just rode my bike right into the park. And uh, as soon as I get there and I go under the trees, I go under the pine trees under the left and I sit down and I start eating my burger and I'm relaxing. And it's a beautiful day and no one's there. I would always joke that I would see Prince there, but I never did. Well, that particular day, this woman pulls in an SUV and she kind of looks weird at me and then she goes to the door. The door opens and out comes Prince in this flowing turquoise and white caftan outfit looking like he's ready to get on stage. They hug, they exchange a few words, carry some boxes, they come back out, she points to me, talks a little, he looks at me, talks a little bit, then he goes back in. A minute later, she comes over to me and she says, I'm sorry, you have to leave. This is private property. And I say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I was just taking a break on my bike. Um, so I left. But I've always said after that is that, you know, when Prince looks at you in concert and you know he's looking just at you, that time he did. He looked just at me, just at me. And he did something just for me. He had me asked to leave the property. I used to joke that after that, he would know my name the next time when he had to sign the restraining order. That never came to be. I spent many, many times at the park since then and fun little interactions with him over the years. Um, and I was just one of the really lucky ones who got to go there when, at the drop of a hat. Uh, many people could have done it, and I'm just happy I did. Love him, miss him, and thank you for doing these podcasts. They're wonderful. Goodbye. That was Heidi with the good hair. A little pause for the cause. Not B. Okay, so, you know, last week with our tribute show, we know we got you with a lot of tears with Nothing Compares to You by Prince. But I just felt that we needed to kick it off with that. And there's no such thing as coincidences. Uh, on May 4th, may the 4th be with you. Uh, radio stations all along, all around, all along the watchtower in the world. They decided to play after seven hours and thirteen days. Nothing compares to you by Prince, all over the nation. And I know that uh, some other radio stations overseas did participate as well. Um, I wish it would have been the version that we chose, just because it was a little bit different and more heartfelt and. Judging by your guys' response, it like was heart-wrenching, but at the same time, a little bit of cleansing version. Um, 
hopefully this isn't this doesn't turn into like a regular occurrence. I mean, we're gonna uh, we skip seven. Are we gonna do seventeen days? And look, it's a great tribute and everything. Great tribute. I just wish it was a a newer song with a video or other stuff going on uh, that we can get behind just to show. You know, hey, Prince released four albums in the past two years. You should be picking those up along with that copy of Purple Rain that you're picking up in the Ultimate Collection. Um, it's still hard for all of us, and it's going to be hard for us for a while, and we're going to be here for you. Um, you know, if we do another tribute show, I'm not so sure. We'll see how things are going. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to let them do like Mike, so if we need to do it, we're going to do it. Um but we'll always, this show is always going to be around. We'll still be on top of him, taking care of things, watching out for you guys, reporting on uh, everything that's current. We'll keep you up to date and with us. Um, I just want to thank you so much for allowing us into your lives and letting us be a part of it. Um, I try to read all your guys' tweets. I don't really respond to everyone's tweets because I don't want to fill up your feed, you know, and I'm not trying to holler at you. <sighs> you know, I see some other people that try to do it. You know, my whole thing is about respect, whether you're a guy or a girl. Um, you're a fan, nonetheless. doesn't depend on your age. doesn't depend how new or how old you are. I will always look out for you. You know, we're, we're family. You know, we're not fans. We're family. Um, that's hard for people to understand. And this is why it hits people like, you know, I lost loved ones and I didn't feel like this because sometimes your blood relatives, you don't get to choose your family though. Sometimes you do get to choose and that's what makes them so extra lovable. Much love. Hey, sugar. I know it's been a minute, but I got to, got to get up in it. Come on. Let's talk about what you got. I don't think you understand. It makes me.
Think you better shut the door. You know what I'm talking about, man. Oh, let me hear you say. Oh, come on. Oh. 